Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs podcast. Every week we will provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday services. On this episode, the kingdom as a community, a body, and a family. When people talk about the church, they often use phrases such as the church community, or the church body, or even my church family. But what do these phrases actually mean, and how do they fit inside the biblical kingdom narrative of the church? In the sixth message of the Kingdom series, Pastor Corey takes a look at how the kingdom of God functions as a community of believers, a body of believers, and also a family of believers. While it may seem that these are all the same, there are actually some unique differences between them that amplify what life is like inside the kingdom of God. So grab your Bible as we unpack the message, The Kingdom as a Community, a Body, and a Family. Good morning. How are we? I know we're 30 minutes early, okay? But you're going to have to wake up. So it's, uh, it's good for us to be here. We're glad you're here. And uh, I think uh, kind of excited about what the day holds for us. Uh, I'm really excited. It was so cool to go downstairs and see all those kids. So uh, just... If you get a chance, if you have kids down there, would you just make sure you swing by, tell those volunteers that are ministering to kids thanks for what they do, and uh, we just really appreciate uh, you guys jumping in, bring your kids, and I, I was thinking about this here just a couple days ago, how important kids' ministry actually is, and, uh, and our kids have been missing out on, you know, obviously you got kids uh, engaging some content on the internet and online and our kids' stuff, and and then they get to come and sit through a, a message that in a lot of ways is not, is not geared towards them, but they, they've been so gracious and so good to kind of sit and engage the services. But we're, we're really excited about being able to now uh, very intensely be able to uh, talk with our kids about who Jesus Christ is. And uh, it's a cool thing. I'm excited about it and glad we get a chance to do it starting today. Um, Guys, today we are going to uh, kind of try to tie up some loose ends. Over the last several weeks, um, we have been talking about the kingdom. And specifically, we've been talking about Christ's vision for the church. We, we've talked over the course of the last five weeks that the church, uh, Jesus doesn't use the word ecclesia like is often translated in the church. He only uses that twice, uh, two times in the book of Matthew. Most of the time when he talks about what his vision was for this thing right here, he uses the word kingdom. And so we've been talking about what does that mean? And are we being who Christ calls us to be? Now the framework of this entire message is, hey, if we're a kingdom, then guess what? We have a king. We have a king. And we know who that king is. It's Jesus Christ. But today we're going to try to tie in some uh, words that we often hear inside of the church. We use it uh, often to describe what happens as a church. Uh, the words community, the, church, the words body, and the word family. Now when we talk about the, com- the kingdom or the church as a community, right? we'll use things like a... The church is a community of believers. 
right? And we go, oh, yeah, that's a community of believers. That makes sense. The church is a community. Uh, we also will use the, the word body in, in, that, in place of community, right? The church is a body of believers. Or we'll say the church is a family of believers, and when we, we use those words, right, to a certain extent, we kind of understand what they mean. But I want us to try to uh, tie in how the kingdom actually translates into us being a community, us being a body, and us being a family. Because all of those things are true about the church. And we, as a church, are a part of God's family. We're a part of His body we're a part of his community. We're a part of his kingdom. Now, let's, let's tie this uh, together a little bit. Let's start first with talking about community. How many of you guys live inside of the, the city limits of Great Falls? How many of you guys would say Great Falls is my community, even if you live maybe a little bit outside? Right? For... Almost all of us, I'm guessing not everybody that's watching online would be in that arena. But, uh, but for the most part, most of us here this morning would consider Great Falls to be our community. Why would we consider Great Falls our community? Because we live here. Because we live here. There's a proximity to the community and to each other. In fact, communities have three very specific things that make them a community. The first thing would be a connection point or a proximity to one another, a nearness. So we're just going to call that connection. If, if you live in Texas and you've never uh, traveled to Great Falls, you don't know anybody in Great Falls, right? You've never, you've never been here. I'm guessing you're not going to consider Great Falls as part of your community, right? There's no connection to it. But if you live in Texas and suddenly you travel and you move and you relocate and now you're living here, guess what? That connection allows you to then go, this is now part of my community. I am now connecting to it. Every person that connects to community usually is, to a certain extent, uh, utilizing vehicles or avenues of relationship. And so when I say the word connection, I'm just suggesting that, that we are near enough in order to connect and establish relationship with one another. Real quick, and this is a, a little plug Now, this isn't a dig for people watching online today. It's not. But this is a plug for in-person church. Okay? It is going to be really, really hard for you to establish a connection with the community of believers if all you're doing is watching a video online. It's going to be really hard for you. Now, you're going to have a bit more of a connection than if you didn't even watch at all. But you're going to, you know, watching a service online is not an adequate relationship building vehicle. Okay? It's, it's a way for you to get content. It's a way for you to have a sense of connection. But you're never going to build 
deep, meaningful relationships through that avenue. So it's one of the reasons why I would suggest, right, for us, right, church is an essential thing because when we gather together, we find those pathways of relationship that allow us to build and forge community. And we need that. The second part of community is just as important. It's this thing called dependence. Think about this. How many people did you have to depend on to make it to church today? You actually had to depend on a lot of people to get to church today. Believe it or not. How many of you drove here? I'm guessing all of you. Right? How many of you made your own gas? Anybody? Right? I'm, so I'm guessing you had to go to a gas station and depend on someone who owns the gas station, someone who's managing employees, someone who is, is maintaining inventory. Those people had to depend on people who were transporting that gas and putting it into the ground and making servicing pumps and all that kind of stuff, making sure it's all right. You uh, were dependent upon either people taking your money or processing, uh, getting gas, getting your coffee at the gas station. How many of you guys got get coffee outside of the church today? You guys all saved it for here. We have the best coffee in town, I'm telling you. So, uh, so when you're, when you're in that process, right, you're depending on people. We needed people to plow the streets for us. We needed people to, uh, actually, if we're thinking about it, we had to depend on people in our community to actually create the streets for us, to lay, do all of the construction work, to lay out the plan. Like, if you think about it, our community is filled with interdependentness. We take most of it for granted. In the sense of we, we usually, we, none of us, as we were, maybe we thought about people who were plowing the roads today. At least I was when I was driving. I was thankful for those people that got up early and made sure the streets were clear for me. Uh, but here's the thing. I didn't think at all about the people who made the road for me or who, who did all of the, the prep work to make sure that there was a road from my house all the way up to the church. I didn't think about the, 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 uh, the people who taught all of the traffic laws to all of the drivers out there so that there isn't accidents and crashes. Right? Our community actually is tremendously dependent upon one another. It's what makes us a community. None of us. I know some people that live up in the mountains, probably two hours of a drive. They're, they're miles away from their nearest neighbor. But guess what they have to do every once in a while? have to come into town, right? Even the most independent people can't live on their own. They are dependent upon others. They need others. And so communities, not only are they connected together, there's a sense of proximity and closeness, but they're dependent upon one another. Everyone's doing their part. Everyone's creating, you know, the, the service that each other needs, and we meet each other's needs, and we support one another. That's what communities do. And then there's this third thing called purpose. This thing called purpose or mission. Do you know that many of the communities that pop up all over the United States, they originally started because there was a reason to start. If you go up to the High Line, you'll notice that about every 20 miles, every 10 miles, there's a little, a little town. Those towns, oh, I was asking one time, I wonder why there's a town every... 
every 10 miles or every 20 miles, there's, I mean, it's almost like clockwork all the way across the High Line. Well, guess what? All those little towns popped up because why? Because of the railroad. And at that time, right, it was steam engines and they needed, they needed a refill with water and refill with coal and refill with supply. So as they're kind of going along the way, they'd have to have stops about every 10 to 20 miles. And so these little towns pop up around places. Uh, so, right, you get a town that starts and then we need water. So let's start another one. And that little place kind of attracts people and they forge a community and they depend on one another. And next thing you know, you've got towns all the way across the High Line. Each of those little communities started for, with a purpose, with a reason, right? If you look at the, the gold rush, right, all of the towns in California, right, there was this massive sweep towards the west because there was this, hey, gold and, and uh, a sense of uh, ability for profit. Uh, there were communities out in the west that all started because, hey, there was a promise of land and we could get a new start and we could populate. So everyone's coming this way for a purpose and they would depend on one another. Communities unite around purpose. Sometimes that purpose just is as simple as self-sufficiency. How do we survive together? Communities have connection, dependence, and purpose. I want you to take a look at Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, if you just open them up, Acts chapter 2 so Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Uh, it's kind of the first days of God really moving and establishing the church as the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so you got Pentecost. Up until that point, there was a group of about 500 believers or so they would gather together, they were praying, they would worship together, and they were waiting. They were waiting specifically for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so this group of 500 believers were waiting, 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 and one day, all of a sudden, it happened. Holy Spirit comes upon them. Peter jumps up in the middle of uh, Pentecost, and he gives a message, an evangelistic message. And at the end, I want you to read, uh, in verse, we'll start in verse 40. And it says, within many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and were added to uh, added that day about 3,000 souls. So all of a sudden, the church went from this group of about 500 believers committed to Jesus Christ to boom! Can you imagine it going from 500 to 3,000 people as a church, right? Before COVID, we were a church of about 500 people, roughly. Can you imagine what it would be like to the next Sunday have 3,000 people? And, you know, we, we, we would all be like trying to catch our breath a bit. What in the world just happened? And all of a sudden, just imagine now inside of that context, we've got this massive adjustment that now we're trying to find our way into as a church. We're trying to adjust and forge and develop community together. How difficult do you think that would be if all of a sudden 3,000 people now jump into the church and they're all brand new believers? Just think that through. This is what the early church was trying to deal with. So all of a sudden, in the midst of this 
this new movement of believers, now we have 3,000 new members into the kingdom, and we've got to figure out how to put it all together. Notice how they respond. Notice what the early church looks like as they're trying to forge community together. Verse 42, and they, this is all these new believers, as well as the, the 500 previous ones, right? So they've got the, the remnant and then these new believers, and what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, okay, so we're going to rally together, we're going to gather ourselves. Do you sense this, this place of connection? around, hey, the apostles are teaching us because we're new believers. We need more information. We need to understand the kingdom. We need to know more about God. We need to know more about ourselves. How do we fit together in this new kingdom that God is inviting us into? So they devote themselves to learning and to fellowship. This fellowship, this is actually a word that has the connotation of connection, right? We're we're finding this common ground together. We're, we're united around a common thing. Fellowship. And to the breaking of bread, well, guess what that is? That's something you do together. This is a connection point. Breaking bread together and to prayer. And awe, it says, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So notice this passage. Not only were they, what? They were connected. They were together. Notice that there's this vehicle for relationship to be built. Connection. But also they are now living in dependence upon one another. They had all things in common. Notice what they, 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 it describes what this means in the next verse. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So, all of a sudden they said, you know what? This isn't just about me. Hey, you have a need? Here, here, I have some of that. You know, I got, I have chickens and, you know, my chicken makes, you know, three dozen eggs. We only use about five or six every day. Here, here's five or six for you, and maybe you need chicken so, or eggs, so I'm going to give you five or six you know, for your family, and we're going to share what I have with each other. And guess what? That person goes, well, you know what? I don't raise chickens, but I have milk. I have, I have some cows. So we don't use all of the milk, but maybe you could use some milk. And you know what? I have some property, and if I sell that property, I could take that money, and we could pay for that person who has that broken down house, and we could fix your roof, and... We all have needs and we begin to share with one another inside of community. You understand this isn't just attending a weekend service. This is the church, the kingdom, as a community. Forged together in connection with one another. Living in dependence on one another. Supporting and serving one another. As well as united around what? A common purpose. Notice it says, in day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is a statement of purpose. This is a statement of purpose. They are living their lives in community, but they're also recognizing that we are rallied around the person of Jesus Christ. 
Christ is our king. And we are his kingdom. And kingdoms are made up of communities. And so we are forging this community. We're in connection and relationship with one another. We live in dependence with one another. But we never forget why we exist. We exist because we have a king and his kingdom should what? Not pass away. I love that song, Ancient of Days. Right? And your kingdom shall not pass away as the, the oh, ancient of days. Kind of that last declaration. We know that Christ's kingdom is to not pass away. When Jesus invited the disciples to learn how to pray, what did he say? Right? When you pray, pray like this. Our Father was in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The purpose of the church is to do what? To bring about the kingdom on earth. To expand and extend Christ's rule and reign over the earth. That Christ would rule and reign over every heart. Not just ours. The early church in, sense of, in, a, in that sense of community understood that they existed to help others find their way into the kingdom. And that's why every day there were other people stepping into the kingdom. Because they lived in such a way that people were like, man, how do I become a part of that thing? I would love to have a connection in, with, in relationship with other people like you have. And I would love to have this sense of, I'm not alone in this, but there's others that can support me and walk with me and we can depend on one another to live in that sense, not of independence, but dependence. But also then to discover that there's a purpose for not just my life, but for our lives together. And we live for that purpose. Communities have connection, they have dependence, and they have purpose. Now, let's jump to the next word. So we talked about the kingdom as a community, right? The kingdom also is a body. Paul, when he is writing about the church in 1 Corinthians, uses the illustration of a body. So the Corinthians write to Paul... And it's the reason why he writes this letter to them in the First Corinthians letter. And they write to him and they have questions about how the church should actually function and all these little details of, hey, what do we do about this and what do we do about that? And so Paul, one of the questions they ask is about spiritual gifts. How do, how do spiritual gifts work inside of the church? So Paul, starting in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open there. Paul begins to talk about the church and how it actually operates. And he uses the description of a body. Verse 12, we'll start there. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Think about this. Paul here, as he begins to talk about the body, clearly says you can't just be an independent person. You cannot, I think in Proverbs 15, 1, it says, he who separates himself, seeks his own desire, quarrels against all sound wisdom. Right? You separate yourself, you think you could be the lone ranger Christian, you have deceived yourself. Because here's the thing, there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Even the Lone Ranger had a buddy, right? What was his name, everybody? 
Tonto. Right? The Lone Ranger wasn't as lone as we like to think. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian that doesn't need anyone else and can be off doing their own thing. We need one another. And so Paul here is like, the body doesn't consist of just one member. You can't be the body of Christ by yourself. You can be a member of the body of Christ. And you are an essential part to it. But that requires something. It requires connection to it. It requires a proximity. If I cut my thumb off and I left my thumb at home, how many of you guys think that that thumb is going to be a real valuable part of my body? There's got to be connection. Yeah, it's, it's just it's kind of a gruesome thought, but it's the reality. We cannot just consider ourselves independent. I don't need anyone else and no one else needs me. We have to live as members of his body. And that requires a humbling of ourselves, an acknowledgement that we aren't the entire thing, as well as a recognition that... Let me throw this in. Pride. Pride is a preoccupation with self. right? A, A simple definition of pride. Preoccupation with self. Guess what? We often think of pride as being, I think, way too much of myself. Right? I'm the greatest, I'm the best, I don't need anyone else. But guess what also is pride? Thinking about yourself too much. Right? So pride can, you know, I can think too much of myself, but pride also is I think of myself too much. I mean, many people go to the other side, well, I'm not important, I'm not significant, I'm not a part of this thing. Both are pride, both are selfishness, And both are contrary to what God calls us to as believers. God calls us to humble ourselves and fit into the body. Be who He created us to be. And if you refuse, then that says a lot about what you believe about God and His kingdom. Okay? So, God calls us to connect to one another. To live in a nearness, in a closeness, as well as a dependence. Right? I have coffee here, and it is essential for me to be able to get that coffee cup to my lips from time to time. It's an essential function. And I can't do that without this member right here. I can't pick this thing up without my thumb. Now, most of the time, I could probably live without my thumb. You know, don't use my thumb for a lot of things, but the moment I need to pick up my coffee cup, I am very glad I have him. I'm very glad. So, when when we think about the body, we recognize that Paul even goes on to say, look, all of these parts that seem not so essential, they're actually really important. And you may not see it now, but there's going to come a time when you're going to recognize just how important and how valuable you are to the kingdom. Listen to what he goes on to say. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. This is in verse 15. Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Just because you say, oh, I'm not that important in this this body, doesn't make you any less of a part. And it also doesn't make you any less important. And if the heir should say, because I'm not an eye, 
and I do, not belong to, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Listen to what Paul goes on to say. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, bes- we bestow the greater honor. And uh, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are uh, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that but that the members may have the same care for one another. Do you catch the sense of connectedness? Do you catch the sense of dependence? We need one another. As a body, we are called to do our part, be a part. I love how Paul says, look, each person's a part of the body as God has this, this, uh, developed it, defined it, as he has gifted and equipped you. God's the one who's given you the gifts and the abilities. He's placed you in the body the way he intends to. So don't resist him. Just be a part of what he's invited you to be a part of. Knowing this, that all the parts of the body ultimately are doing what? We are all serving the head. Paul describes uh, in Ephesians about how Christ is the head of the church. My body, lots of different parts, fingers, you know, legs, toes, you know, everything is working together, but it's all serving what? Ultimately, all serving the head. All doing the things that I'm thinking about and as a church, guess what? Our purpose that we've rallied together around as a body is to serve the head, Jesus Christ. We are not just a community. We are a body. And that body exists to make Jesus Christ and His will a reality on this earth. That is our purpose. So when Jesus declares, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit... What are we called to do? We are called to serve that purpose because our head, Jesus Christ, is calling us to do our part in seeing that a reality. The kingdom is a body. And lastly, let's talk about the kingdom as a family. The kingdom is a family. If you open up to Ephesians chapter 1, you'll discover that Paul describes the church in family language. Listen to what he says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Notice the words here. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. 
That language, adoption as sons, is family language. Now, Paul here is writing to Gentile believers who, when they came to faith, when they put their allegiance to Jesus, in a lot of ways, they were kind of treated as second-class citizens. Like you're, I, I'm guessing, and I, uh, my wife and I, we've been kind of exploring foster care and potential adoption. Uh, we've been thinking through that whole thing as, as a family. And I'm guessing that it would be pretty easy in a family that has adopted children that there's this tension between the natural born and the adopted. In a sense like, oh, well, I'm the natural born one. I'm, you know, I, that's really my, my parent, right? But for you, you're kind of a second class member here. You came kind of, you're not really born in this arena. And you can imagine how that tension in the early church was. The Jews, in a lot of ways, thought the Gentiles, you don't, you don't talk to them, you don't listen to them, there's no relationship gentiles there's no way god cares about them and then all of a sudden in acts chapter 10 right god pours out his holy spirit on the gentiles and calls them into the kingdom and and the church now becomes not only just jews but also gentiles all welded together under the king jesus christ we're all part of the kingdom so paul in ephesians is writing to these gentile believers saying look you guys were adopted in but you are not second class citizens in the kingdom in fact God has ordained you, predestined you as Gentiles to step into the realm of the kingdom and be just as a significant and part, part of this kingdom as anyone else. You're a part of the family of God. Your sons and daughters. And God is our Father he is the great high king over it all. As a family, we find our connection in our relationship with one another. We actually find our connection around our head, our father, right around uh, our parents, our family identity. It's what draws us together. When you have a family reunion, right? It's all these, we're, we're pulling ourselves together, we're connecting based on kind of this lineage we have, and it all connects back to kind of our, our father, our patriarchs. Those family relationships is those place of connection, and God calls us to live with that understanding that we are, we are sons and daughters all in service to the king, our father. But notice... Families also have this thing called dependence upon one another. Dependence. I was thinking about this just last night. How much our family actually depends on one another. Tasha needs me to take care of certain things. I need her sometimes to take care of certain things. We need the kids to do certain things because we can't do it all on our own. And we're all working together as a team. We're all doing our part. And when we're all doing our part, our family works really, really well together. We live in dependence upon one another. But guess what happens in our family so many different times? We forget just how important our part to play is. And if I just, you know, hey, I don't want to do that, and I go off and I, you know, I want to watch a movie by myself, or I want to play, you know, read the news by myself, and 
Tasha now has to do all of it on her own. Guess what happens? Our family doesn't get better. When I forget my part, my role, and that people are depending upon me or that they're de- I'm depending on them, when I stop living in that place, guess what? Our family starts to break down. So it is in the church. We need one another. We have to support one another. There are parts for all of us to play. And we've got to step into the body of Christ recognizing that there's a part for me to play. And I have to do that with faithfulness. But you know what drives it all? is a recognition of purpose. Families can get tremendously unified when they have a common purpose. If I were to say, guys... For the next, if I was talking to my family and I said, guys, for the next month, we are going to save so much money and we're going to live so smart and we're going we're to do all this work. And if we can do this, we can accomplish it. We're going to go to Disneyland at the end of the month. Do you know how focused my family would be? They would, they would be like, you cannot spend that money. Put it in the jar. We're going to Disney World, right? They would keep each other accountable. They'd be doing their part. They'd be serving. They'd be selling stuff. I mean, they would... Whatever it takes to get to Disney World, right, there'd be a focus, a purpose. As I hope for us as a church that we understand why we exist. It's not just to make disciples. It is to make disciples, but it's not just to make disciples. In fact, we have a higher calling than even that. It's to worship our King, Jesus Christ. To make His name great on the earth and if we as a church are are rallying around that and we're focused about that and we're passionate about that and guess what all the other stuff just kind of falls into place we'll live with a sense of connectedness and we'll live with a sense of dependence because we know we can't do that purpose without one another we need each other we're a family we're not just individual members we're a body We're a community that is gathered together with Christ as our King. We're a kingdom. You came in today, hopefully you grabbed one of these little little communion packs. If you didn't grab one, we're going to take communion here in just a moment. If you didn't grab one, when we go into this this kind of meditative song that we're going to go into just here in a moment, just up here, up on on the both corners of the auditorium, you can just sneak up here and grab one, come back to your seat. Um... We're going to sing a song together. Jesus paid it all. Christ is the one who ultimately paved the way for us so that we could be a community, we could be a body, we could be a family. And so take this, keep it, um, hold on to it, and then we're going to take together when this song is done. So let's, uh, let's sing together. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's Word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. The Getting Started plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.